Hello everyone, I'm Derval Barzi, and you're listening to the Climate Conscious Podcast. Today we're doing something a little different. We'll be spending some one-on-one time as we embark on a fascinating journey through the ABCs of climate change. We're breaking down the complexities of climate change into bite-sized, easy-to-understand pieces to enlighten, educate, and empower. Because understanding the basic is the first step toward effective action. If you are a part of our amazing Instagram community, you'd know all about the Climate Change ABC series. If not, be sure to follow the Climate Conscious Podcast on Instagram and everywhere else. But before we get into it, I think this is a perfect time for a brief reintroduction for my long-standing listeners or an introduction for the new ones. Whether old or new, I'm glad to have you in the Climate Conscious community. Remember, it's not just a podcast, it's a lifestyle. So, I'm Durval Bazi, an environmental risk management professional for the past 13 years. I started off as an intern in health, safety, and environment, then worked as a specialist in HSC at an oil and gas company, then pivoted to sustainable energy policy. And now I help organizations integrate sustainability in all aspects of their operations and communicate the value created through sustainability with authentic and compelling storytelling. So if you're a small business owner or a larger corporate entity, I'm here to help you become climate conscious for real. So let's get into part one of climate change ABCs. Starting with the letter A, A is for adaptation. Now, when we're talking about climate action, there are three main actions that can be taken. Mitigation, adaptation, and the controversial topic of geoengineering. But today we're focusing on adaptation. Adaptation is about our response to the hazards associated with climate change. Climate change introduces hazards and impacts such as hurricanes, floods, droughts, storm surges, and landslides. So how do we respond to these? That's where adaptation strategies come in. Because some of the effects are already unfolding and others are highly likely to happen, we need to adapt all of our sectors to withstand and recover from this new reality. So, for example, in the Caribbean, a small island and low-lying coastal areas, sea level rise and storm surges threaten our coastlines, where most of our development and infrastructure is located. Now, one way to adapt is by constructing physical infrastructure to protect the coastline, such as a seawall, as is found in Guyana. Other options include using natural ecosystems, such as restoring mangroves along the coastlines to mitigate storm surges. This is a nature-based approach to adaptation. 
also known as ecosystem-based adaptation, an approach that utilizes the conservation, sustainable management, and restoration of ecosystems as a strategy to help people and communities adapt to the adverse impact of climate change. Another example of this approach to adaptation is on hillsides that are prone to erosion, we have the option of constructing a retaining wall, or we can use natural vegetation such as vetiver grass to stabilize those slopes. And if we look at the agriculture sector, our food security is at risk due to changing weather patterns, drought and flooding. One adaptation strategy is to adopt sustainable and climate-resilient agricultural practices. Changing agricultural practices to conserve water using drought-resistant crop varieties and engaging in cover cropping. Just to give some examples, we discussed sustainable agricultural practices on episode 49 of the Climate Conscious podcast, which featured Dr. Adam Redhead. So be sure to check out that episode if you haven't already. And a key practice is resource efficiency, especially when resources such as water are becoming scarce. Another good example of adaptation to climate change is the resilience to hurricanes in the building sector in Antigua and Barbuda. This project is currently under implementation in the building sector in Antigua and Barbuda with funding from the Green Climate Fund. This project is integrating climate change adaptation into the building sector along with relevant financial mechanisms, targeting critical public service and community buildings in order to improve resilience to and recovery from extreme climate events. And on the topic of building, I highly recommend you listen to a TED Talk by architectural designer Alyssa Amor Gibbons. She is from Barbados and was featured on an earlier episode of the Climate Conscious podcast. In her recent TED Talk, she speaks about building with resilience in mind. And we know that our region sits within the hurricane belt and climate change is linked to the increasing frequency and intensity of hurricanes. Therefore, we should be designing and constructing buildings and other infrastructure to withstand these known and expected impacts. We should be building with resilience in mind. Are you aware of any climate adaptation strategies being implemented in your country? Let us know. We want to hear from you so you can comment on our Instagram post related to this episode and let us know what's happening in your country. Now to the letter B. B is for biodiversity. Biodiversity or biological diversity refers to the variety of plants, animals, fungi, and even microorganisms found in a particular habitat. A high level of diversity is usually considered to be important and desirable. Each of these species and organisms work together in the ecosystem like an intricate web to maintain balance. Now, the WWS 2022 Living Planet Report found an average 69% decline in global populations of mammals, fish, birds, reptiles, and amphibians since 1970. So biodiversity is under threat. 
with species becoming endangered and even extinct due to human activities and climate change. Now, a major threat to biodiversity is the loss of habitats and habitat fragmentation due to land use changes, like the clearing of forests for the expansion of agriculture, cities, tourism, and commercial development. Unsustainable resource use, such as overfishing, and the discharge of pollutants into watercourses. These and other human activities lead to the loss of biodiversity, and climate change is just an added pressure as natural ecosystems are affected by changing weather patterns. The Caribbean is considered a biodiversity hotspot, with a wealth of biodiversity including endemic species within its terrestrial and marine ecosystems. And by endemic, we mean native and restricted to a certain place. According to the Caribbean Islands Biodiversity Hotspot Ecosystem Profile Summary, the Caribbean contains approximately 10,000 square kilometers of reef, 22,000 square kilometers of mangrove, and as much as 33,000 square kilometers of seabed grass. However, our marine ecosystems are being affected by sea level rise, warming of the ocean, as well as pollution. Coral bleaching is a clear example of the threat to biodiversity. Now, biodiversity is important to us for the value it provides to humans, as well as the value it has in its own right, its intrinsic value. We obtain food, fuel, shelter, and medicine, cultural and spiritual significance from the biological diversity that exists. Therefore, the loss of biodiversity really threatens our own survival. We must take action to ensure the sustainability of natural resources for generations to come. So how can we protect biodiversity? I'm glad you asked. So one of the ways is through protected areas, the protection of sites that provide habitat for important species, including globally threatened species such as sea turtles. An example of a protected area is the Tobago Main Ridge Forest Reserve, which covers 3,958 hectares or 9,780 acres of tropical forests on the island of Tobago. The Main Ridge Forest Reserve is home to a variety of plants and animals, and it is estimated that the rainforest provides habitats for 12 to 16 species of mammals, and out of the nearly 90 mammal species in the Caribbean region, 24 non-poisonous snakes, 16 lizards, and 210 species of birds. The most outstanding being the white-tailed seabrewing hummingbird that is both rare and endemic to Tobago. The ridge is also home to the oscillated gecko, an animal that is not found anywhere else in the world. The Tobago Main Ridge Forest Reserve is on record as the oldest legally protected forest reserve, geared specifically towards a conservation purpose. It was established on April 13, 1776 by an ordinance which states in part that the reserve is for the purpose of attracting frequent showers of rain 
upon which the fertility of lands in these climates thought entirely depend. The main ridge is currently managed by the Department of Natural Resources and the Environment, which falls under the Tobago House of Assembly. And this information is from unesco.org. Another way to protect biodiversity is through conservation initiatives. And we have an example of EAG, Environmental Awareness Group, based in Antigua and Barbuda, which engages in wildlife conservation. And we spoke about the work of the EAG on episode five of the Better Than Before series when we sat down with Ms. Arika Hill, the executive director of the Environmental Awareness Group, Antigua and Barbuda's longest standing environmental NGO. So be sure to check out that episode to learn more about the conservation work of EAG. Moving on to the letter C. Of course, C is for climate change. Climate change refers to long-term shifts in the average weather patterns on the Earth. It covers changes in temperature, precipitation, wind patterns, and other climatic factors over extended periods, typically decades to millions of years. Climate change can be driven by natural processes such as volcanic eruptions, but climate change that we are referring to currently is primarily attributed to human activities. So the Earth's climate has changed throughout history, but the changes that we are observing today, the data show that this was triggered by the Industrial Revolution, which led to a higher atmospheric concentration of carbon dioxide, caused mainly by the burning of fossil fuels for energy. The most significant factor contributing to climate change is the rapid increase in greenhouse gas emissions, primarily carbon dioxide, methane, and nitrous oxide. Greenhouse gases trap heat in the Earth's atmosphere, creating the greenhouse effect, which leads to global warming. Now, the rise in global temperatures results in severe weather events, melting of polar ice caps and glaciers, rising sea level from the melting of the ice, but also from thermal expansion of the water, and then shifts in ecosystems and biodiversity, and also the socioeconomic impacts of the rise in global temperature. So because of the far-reaching consequences, addressing climate change is a critical global issue. Addressing this challenge requires a significant reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Adapting to changes already occurring, as we discussed earlier, and mitigating the impacts to protect natural and human environments and ecosystems. And we can see that climate change is not just an environmental issue. There are so many associated effects, so many knock-on effects from the warming of the planet. And we have enough data to show that climate change is real and it is because of human activities. The the rate of change that we are observing is significant. So while we're on the letter C, I also want to touch on carbon footprint. A carbon footprint refers to the total amount of greenhouse gases, primarily carbon dioxide, that are emitted into the atmosphere as a result of human activities. These emissions contribute to global warming and climate change. 
Carbon footprints are typically measured in units of carbon dioxide equivalent and are often expressed in metric tons of CO2 per year. Electricity produced from burning fossil fuels has a significantly higher carbon footprint than electricity produced from renewable sources, such as solar PV and wind turbines. In the area of transport, vehicles that use fossil fuels generate higher emissions than those that use hybrid or electric batteries. When it comes to waste, using landfills for waste disposal it has a higher footprint than reducing waste, recycling, and composting because the decomposition of organic waste in landfills produces methane, a potent greenhouse gas. So how can you reduce your carbon footprint? An important measure is consumer choices. Buying less, choosing wisely, and being responsible with both consumption and production. So have you ever calculated your carbon footprint? This is an essential step in addressing climate change as individuals and especially as organizations so that we can understand our environmental impact and take the necessary measures to reduce emissions through sustainable practices and lifestyle choices. So we'll leave a link in the show notes where you can calculate your carbon footprint. Now to letter D. D is for decarbonization. What is decarbonization? You may have heard it before. It is the process of reducing or eliminating the carbon dioxide emissions produced from human activities. It's primarily a climate mitigation strategy that focuses on activities associated with the burning of fossil fuels, which, as we know, is a major contributor of greenhouse gases. So the main goal of decarbonization is to decrease the concentration of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. This is achieved by transitioning away from the activities and technologies that release carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases towards cleaner, more sustainable alternatives that have a lower carbon footprint. So here are some examples of decarbonization in various sectors. In the energy sector, decarbonization looks like transitioning from fossil fuels, coal, oil, natural gas, to renewable energy sources, such as solar, wind, hydropower, and increasing the share of clean energy on the electricity grid. In the transport sector, decarbonization involves adopting electric vehicles or improving the fuel efficiency of vehicles. Electric cars produce significantly fewer carbon emissions compared to traditional gasoline-powered vehicles. In the industrial setting, decarbonization involves implementing more energy-efficient technologies, carbon capture and storage systems, and transitioning to cleaner fuels. So a big strategy that is being promoted currently in the industrial sector is the use of hydrogen. And not just hydrogen, but green hydrogen, which is hydrogen produced from renewable sources, renewable energy sources, instead of natural gas. And this provides an alternative energy source to fossil fuels for industrial processes, which require large amounts of energy to run. So these are some examples of decarbonization in various sectors. There are many others, for example, 
in our building and construction using energy efficient technologies. And this includes green building materials, improving insulation, incorporating renewable energy systems like rooftop solar panels. Essentially, decarbonization is a critical strategy in the fight against climate change, and it involves a combination of technological advancements, policy changes, and individual actions to reduce carbon emissions across the various sectors of society. Is your organization working on environmental and sustainable development issues in the Caribbean? At The Climate Conscious, we believe that amplifying Caribbean voices is pivotal to creating awareness, inspiring change, and fostering collaboration in the realm of climate action and sustainable development. Our podcast reaches a diverse and engaged audience interested in climate change, sustainability, and the Caribbean's unique challenges and opportunities. We want to create visibility for your work and impact. In our new segment, we spotlight organizations taking action for an inclusive, sustainable, climate-resilient Caribbean. Email theclimateconscious at gmail.com to be featured. Moving on to the letter E. E is for ecosystems. Ecosystems are complex, interconnected communities of living or biotic components and non-living abiotic components. Living organisms such as plants, animals, microorganisms, and fungi interact with the physical or non-living environment, soil, water, air, sunlight, temperature, and nutrients. Ecosystems can vary in size and scope, ranging from a small pond to an entire forest and even the entire planet. Ecosystems provide a range of ecological services that are essential for human survival and well-being. So what are these ecosystem services? So we have provisioning services. This is where we obtain products directly from ecosystems, like our food, Fresh water for drinking, irrigation, and industrial use. We obtain timber and fiber, wood, paper, and other forest products, and also medicinal plants, which are natural sources of pharmaceuticals and traditional medicines. Secondly, there are regulating services, which provide several benefits. There's climate regulation, where the ecosystem helps to regulate the Earth's climate, absorbing and storing carbon dioxide, mitigating temperature extremes, and influencing precipitation patterns. There's also water purification, where wetlands and forests filter pollutants from water, providing us with clean, fresh water. And also flood control, where wetlands and forests act as natural buffers and protect communities from inundation. Thirdly, ecosystems provide supporting services. These services are necessary for the production of all other ecosystem services. And these include nutrient cycling, soil formation, pollination, and habitat biodiversity. Then there are cultural services which include the aesthetic and recreational value of ecosystems for recreation, tourism, and cultural experiences. Ecosystems also hold spiritual and religious significance, especially for indigenous communities. 
And then there are educational and scientific value for research and education. Last but not least, ecosystems provide economic services which contribute to the economic well-being and livelihoods of our people. So there's agriculture and fisheries, tourism and hospitality, and other forms of employment that depend on our ecosystems. So this shows the immense value of ecosystems and why we should protect them so that current and future generations can continue to enjoy these benefits. So this brings us to the end of part one of Climate Change ABCs. We've gone through A to E. And I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And I want to take this opportunity to shout out some of my listeners. I'm so happy that the Climate Conscious, although it has a focus on the Caribbean, in addition to all the Caribbean territories, we have listeners in Hong Kong, Tanzania, the UAE, Brazil, Bahrain, the Philippines, Germany, and even Serbia. So I just want to shout out our listeners in and outside of the region. I'm really grateful for you tuning in. And feel free to introduce yourself to us via email so that we can get to know you better. See show notes for the links mentioned in this episode. Thank you for listening. See you next week.